0: Happy Easter, Garden City. So glad that you're tuning in. I just wanted to start with a story. I was at a wedding where in the middle of the ceremony, the best man's pants fell down. I mean, in the middle of the ceremony. And this best man happened to be the groom's father. And his pants fell down like the Berlin Wall. He was reaching into his pants for the ring when it happened. And the shock and the embarrassment was palpable. The crowd recoiled in horror, and I'll never forget, with his pants around his ankles, he slowly handed the pastor the ring. (laughs) Briefly and somewhat nervously, the best man looked over at the families gathered, like the whole crowd, and then stooped to pull his trousers back over his uh, white legs. (laughs) The pastor was shocked but never broke, never stopped talking, just kept going. And I remember in this moment, the mother of the bride crying out in both horror and rage. I don't think she'll ever forgive that man. And then my sister, she started the laughter. It's a little embarrassing to say. She couldn't help it. She couldn't hold it back. (laughs) Laughter began to pour out of her. And then that laughter spread From her to our pew, and then from our pew, the laughter spilled throughout the whole sacred assembly. Uh, You just heard this rumble throughout the church. But the bride, she never knew a thing. She didn't know any of that was happening because her view was blocked. She only saw the groom, her her future husband. (laughs) Today, I want to share a story in the Bible about a wedding, Jesus, and a public embarrassment miraculously avoided. This story opens up with this. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Now, Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. When the the wine ran out, Jesus' mother said to him, they don't have any wine. Now, just for a little bit of context, uh, Galilean weddings were a huge community event. Uh, a huge soiree that could last for up to eight days. Um, And the Galileans were known as a little bit of like more the backwoods people in Israel. Some of these parties and weddings uh, were stuff of legend. The tradition in those days uh, was this. When a girl was born, her father would begin preparing for her wedding day by setting aside a barrel of wine every year. If she was married around the age of 16, which was often the case back then, uh, the wedding could have, you know, up to 16 barrels of wine for the wedding celebration. Now, on that day of days, the wine would be brought out in order of most aged and matured wine to the least and newest wine. That way, the wine would have the best taste and flavor at the beginning. And then when the the new and less aged wine was brought out later, hopefully no one would would even notice it. Now in this story, the wine runs out. This would have been a mortifying moment for the family, and especially the father of the bride. This is a huge cultural embarrassment uh, that would be remembered with shame in their own community. What kind of father? What kind of family? would not prepare for their daughter's wedding. Here is where the compassion of Jesus' mother comes out. Mary steps in and lets Jesus know about the embarrassment. How can we help them? How can we save them from this shame? The wine has run out. Now let's look at Jesus' response to his mom. Verse 4, Jesus replied, Woman, what does that have to do with me? Now, this isn't a derogatory, you know, uh, put down by saying, woman, this is a common thing. He's he's just saying, mom, what, do, what does this have to do with me? And then he goes on to say, my time hasn't come yet. Now, the author of the story, his name's John. That's why the book is called John, raises this question of wh- what is Jesus talking about? His time is not yet. This moment is kind of a mysterious placeholder for us to come back to later in the story. So for now, just put a pen in that statement. You know, that my time has not come yet. In verse five, uh, his mother <laughs> doesn't listen to Jesus. Who's like, what do I have to do with this? She just ignores what he says. That never happens in family, right? And she just looks at the servants nearby and she says, do whatever he tells you. <laughs> nearby were six stone water jars uh, used for the Jewish cleansing ritual. Each were able to hold uh, about 20 or 30 gallons. Now, these water barrels were used for religious purification or cleansing ceremonies. And these big stone jars of water um, with the rituals were often used by the religious to divide the holy from the unholy, the worthy from the unworthy, to really draw lines between who's in and who's out. Now, moving forward with the story, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. then he told them, now draw some from them and take them to the head waiter, the guy who's running the whole event. And they did. The head waiter tasted the water that had become wine. He didn't know where it had come from. Though the servants who had drawn the water, they knew. Now tune into the rest of the story here. I, I love it. It's just got such like cultural humor, just like woven throughout the whole thing. So the head waiter calls to the groom and says, everyone serves the good wine first. They bring out the second rate wine, the, the lesser wine, only when the guests are, guests are drinking freely and they're not going to notice. But you, you kept the good wine until now. The wine Jesus makes is of the best quality. The the head waiter thinks the groom, he he thinks the groom and his family have saved the best for last, not the worst. But get this, (laughs) when the the head waiter compliments the groom and says, you've made the best wine and I can't believe this, the groom doesn't say anything. He just takes the credit (laughs) for the wine that Jesus made. He doesn't know where it came from. He doesn't know (laughs) what's happened. He's just like, yes, for we do save good wine here. (laughs) You can't take Jesus' credit, can you? You, you know, I'm sure Jesus, because He's the Son of God and everything, responded totally graciously and maybe with a little bit of a smile. But part of me wonders, since it was His first miracle, I, I, I can kind of see in my mind that Mary kind of calming Jesus down a little bit if He's a little upset. She's like, I know He took the credit for something you did, but fire and brimstone, it's not going to help anything at this wedding right now. <laughs> Besides, I think you might need to get used to having people take credit for your ministry, Jesus. I just love this story. Here's how it closes out. This was the first miraculous sign that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. And he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. What an awesome story at a party. Jesus saves a family from embarrassment. And Jesus does a miracle and brings wine back to the party when the wine has run out. And there's a few things I just want to note before we really dig into uh, how this story connects to the overarching story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, first thing to note is these stone barrels were religious symbols of separation. It, it, they they separated people, uh, uh, kind of this mentality of us against them, who's in, who's out. But we see that Jesus, he the wine he makes is is unifying. It brings people together. Um, it, it, God's love, the, the wine of God's love is always healing and it's unifying. And um, in, the, in the same way that purification barrels divided people from clean and unclean, holy and unholy, Jesus transforms these vessels of religious separation and division and turns them into vessels of belonging, unity, and healing. He wants to do that in our lives as well. And I think it's worth mentioning for anyone maybe hurt by religion, if you're tuning in, you've been hurt by religion or uh, anyone who might have uh, uh, just worried that your past with religion, maybe is maybe irredeemable. It's a a mess. I think it's really important to remember that out of the old barrels of religion, Jesus makes something new and beautiful. Uh, you, You can't have the miracle of the wine Coming from the water, if it's not held by these old containers, there's something good and new that comes out of the old. I think that's important to remember um, if you've gone through something tough, like we mentioned. The other observation I have for today is when the wine runs out in our life, I think Jesus wants to turn our water into wine. That's not possible if we don't invite Jesus into the room. And if we don't do what his mom says, listen to what he says and do what he says. Are you and I willing to invite Jesus into the room and to listen to what he says and to give him the water that we have? I remember a few moments, but I mean, one in particular, uh, where it felt like the wine had run out in my life. Um, This was during the pandemic, And it just was a time that culturally, community, family, it just was a time where there's just such heaviness um, in the middle of the pandemic. There's so much division and polarization going on. Um, It was so difficult to hold all the tensions and all the worries and all the anxieties. And there were so many brothers and sisters in the Lord, people who are Christians who ran away from each other. Um, maybe even ran away from their faith. Uh, There were brothers and sisters who wounded each other. Um, I was serving families during that time who lost loved ones to the pandemic, and I was loving and serving families who had lost their businesses and their jobs to the pandemic. And I was serving people who were on opposite sides of the cultural and political lines, and lines were being drawn so uh, distinctly, and people were saying, you're either with me or you're against me, and um, people were angry with each other and not speaking to each other, not forgiving each other. People were choosing so sh- like like political tribes, political groups uh, above their their family and Christ, even. And um, as a pastor, this was, just broke my heart. I just felt like in the middle of this tension. And then I was also trying to manage the tensions of my own life and my own family. And um, this is one of the most painful times I can remember in pastoral ministry. And it was in this time where it just felt like the wine was just slowly turning off, like the joy, the life, the like (laughs) my soul was um, just not healthy. And I just wasn't feeling the same. And, you know, all these decisions that we were seeing and feeling that are made out of fear and anger rather than love and compassion, attitudes of selfishness, you know, technology being used in ways that divided rather than united— uh, it, it, even the truth just seemed really impossible to find, and um, and love was put on the back burner so often. And I know there was goodness, but in that moment, I just, it was hard to see it. It was in this moment that I had to kind of bring the water of d- division, um, sense of displacement, sense of brokenness to Jesus, and just ask Him, like, "Would you? Would you do something? Would you turn?" this to something better? Would you turn this water into wine? It was in these moments I really had to trust that Jesus could make something beautiful out of something really, really hard. I wonder if maybe you've had, in the last season, a feeling like, man, the wine has run out. You know, counselors and pastors and social workers I've talked to recently are reporting that we live in a time where anxiety and despair and depression are surging. And it feels like the wine has run out in so many lives. Even our young people, like kids in elementary school, middle school, and high school. Will we bring the water that we have and ask Jesus to turn it into wine? And if we come back to this, the, the, the narrative of Jesus and this party at, at this wedding at Cana, at the heart of the story is a question. What do you do when the, when the wine runs out? can you know you? What can you? What can you do if you can't go to the store? You can't fix it fast. Um, I mean, maybe you can close up shop. Maybe we can curl up into a ball. If the life that we're wanting feels like it's driving, drying up, we can blame other people. But I think in our heart of hearts, we know that's not really an answer. So what do we do when the wine brings out? Will we bring that water to Jesus? Now in the book of John. The only other story where we see Jesus and his mom together is at the foot of the cross. So the beginning of the story and the end of the story of the book of John, um, Jesus is with his mom. And I don't think this is an accident. The scene of Jesus' death on the cross in John 19, we find his mother Mary with a few other female disciples and a young male disciple. All of them are at this point too socially marginalized to appear threats to the Romans and the, the Roman government, so they're allowed to be there. Jesus looks at his mother from the cross and, he's, and he looks at her and he looks at this young male disciple and he says, Hey, uh, this is your son and this is your mother. And essentially, what I think he's saying is, Mom, Remember that day at that party where you told people to to listen to me and do what I say? Right now, I need you to listen to me. Mom, this is your son now. He's going to take care of you when I can't. Brother, this is your mom now. Please take care of her for me. Jesus was turning the injustice of the cross into love, even as he hung on the cross. Then as Jesus is is dying, and he's in the the last moments of his life, he 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 says, "I'm thirsty." It's as if like the wine of his life was finally running out. Hope seems lost. The his ministry, the his message of the kingdom seems like it's drying up. And the last time we saw his mother Mary, they were together at a at this wedding party in Cana, where she had said this line. The, the wine is running out. Could this be the, the wine of her son's life running out right now? And at his greatest moment of pain, when hope seems gone, the wine is gone, the, the soldiers then give Jesus some cheap wine because he says, I'm thirsty, it's cheap, it's sour wine. And Jesus says in John 19, 30, the Bible writes, the Bible says, um, when he had received the sour wine, Jesus said, it's completed. Bowing his head, he gave up, gave up his life. And later, it says, when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. So they didn't break his legs. However, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. Blood and water flowed from his side like wine, a new beam of light may have shone on that moment and a memory of a party where the wine ran out. All this story that goes all the way back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Maybe this, this light, this uh, beam of light shone through the clouds of darkness and where water was turned into the best of wine. This ray of light may also have illuminated the moment on the cross where Jesus said, The time of his greatest calling is completed. It's as if he was saying to his mother and his disciples who could hear and see, Remember when I told you my time had not yet come? Mom, listen to me. My time has come, and I have now turned humanity's water into the wine of God's love. I have turned the world's ugliness and evil into God's goodness and beauty. I've turned the world's division and displacement into unity. I have turned the world's wounds into healing. I've turned the old religious systems into a new eternal way uh, of living and being in God's kingdom here and now. Humanity gave me its worst sour wine and I have given the best. Jesus did what human power, human politics, human religion, or, or even a credit-stealing a credit groom could never do. He turned our water into wine. In his final moments, it's as if Jesus were, were giving us his final actions and words to reveal to his mom, his disciples, and to us, everyone who can remember and look at that wedding in Cana, that his first miracle was a picture, a signpost pointing toward a greater reality, a greater miracle. What God did through Jesus on the cross and then through the resurrection brought us the wine of new creation. So whenever it feels like the wine has run out, remember, at a party in Cana, the wine ran ran out. All they had was water. They brought their water to Jesus, and he turned their water to wine. If you're going through deconstruction and doubt, if you're searching and seeking for a deeper and better answer to life, if you're hurt, if you're looking for healing, if you've experienced tired, worn-out religion, but desire a life-giving hope if you feel displaced and need a home or you feel divided and need to return to a broken relationship i want to invite you today to bring your water to jesus give him that water and let him turn it to wine if you feel like a pull a tug a burden to do just that would you pray this prayer with me today jesus i give you the water of my pain my pride, my broken relationships, the water of my doubts and fears. I give you the water of my worn out religion. I I ask you to turn it into new wine. Take what is broken in me and would you turn it to something beautiful? Today, I take a step of trust in you, Jesus. The Best I know how, I'm trusting your love and your guidance. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you so much, and if you, wherever you're at in your journey, prayed that prayer and handed water to Jesus, handed the burdens that you're carrying, let Him transform them. Would you? Would you let us know? Just message in. I'd love to pray for you and with you, but just know that we love you, and um, and I would invite you to join us for our new series called Water to Wine, where we look at how God takes the water of how we might struggle with. Um, finding belonging, how we might struggle with believing, how we might struggle with loving. And he turns that into something beautiful and transforms it into something better, the wine of God. Guys, hope to see you there. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Garden City Church, reach out at info at gardencitynw.com or click contact in our show notes. Garden City services are made possible by your generosity. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.